Welcome to In Layman's Terms, a podcast dedicated to stories of discipleship and putting Scripture to use in our daily lives. I'm your host, Todd Seifert. I'm the Communications Director for the Great Plains Conference of the United Methodist Church, comprised of just fewer than 1,000 churches throughout Kansas and Nebraska. I'm also a certified lay minister in the United Methodist Church, so what you hear on this show truly comes to you in layman's terms. I have more than 25 years' experience teaching the Bible to everyone from teenagers to 90-somethings, and I served as a journalist for 20 years prior to entering ministry. So I'm excited to share with you stories of disciples in action and to explore with you what the Bible has to teach us in the 21st century. Some episodes focus on a person or church doing great things to serve as the hands and feet of Christ. Some episodes feature interviews with experts who can help us along our faith journey. Still others include short reflections on Scripture. Thank you for joining me. Some of our regular listeners may remember an interview we did last year with the Reverend Dr. Leah Shade. She was the keynote speaker at the 2021 Orders and Fellowship Clergy Gathering, which, like this year's event, was completely online. Leah shared with us her sermon dialogue sermon method for leading a congregation to openly discuss important topics. And part of the structure for that dialogue is what is called an issue guide. First, what an issue guide is not. It is not a document that tells a congregation what it should think on a particular matter. What the issue guide is supposed to do is provide a framework for having open, respectful, holy discussions on important topics of our day, from the environment to the opioid crisis to immigration to any number of topics that face our society today. As part of this year's Orders and Fellowship Gathering, Leah and Bishop Reuben Sines Jr. introduced an issue guide developed for the Great Plains Conference that will be made available to the United Methodist Church at large. It's titled, Finding Our Path in the United Methodist Church. How can we talk and listen? What can we do? The topic is the tension and divisiveness around the General Conference's decisions regarding inclusion of LGBTQIA clergy and congregants. I recently had the chance to talk a little more in depth with Leah, who is Associate Professor of Preaching and Worship at Lexington Theological Seminary in Kentucky. She tells me about all the work that went into building this issue guide, how it can be used by congregations, and what the experience of such a dialogue should be like, if done well, in a local church. Here's my discussion with Reverend Dr. Leah Shade. Well, in this episode of In Layman's Terms, we're here with Reverend Dr. Leah Shade. Some of you will remember her from about a year ago. She helped us with our Orders and Fellowship clergy gathering, talking about preaching in the Purple Zone. Leah, thank you very much for coming back to see us again here on In Layman's Terms. Todd, it's great to be back with you. So I want to start off with just reminding people about the process you lay out in the book and why that's beneficial for congregations. So can you tell us a little bit about what it's like to preach in the Purple Zone? Yeah, absolutely. As many people recognize we are in a very divisive time in our society and that spills over into our churches. And so I developed the sermon dialogue sermon method as a way for pastors and congregations to address issues of public concern that affect the, uh, the people in a congregation so that they can be grounded in biblical and theological principles. And it, it's not about political preaching, it is about 
addressing the things that are on the hearts and minds of our communities and our congregations. And in the sermon dialogue sermon method, it's a process where a pastor preaches a sermon that invites people to be part of a dialogue, doesn't necessarily take a, a strong stand one way or another on an issue, but says the Bible talks about the social issues of its day, and we can learn something from that, and we can use that as a model for how we can engage these issues in our own time. And then there's a deliberative dialogue, which is a form of civil discourse where people gather to uh, share how a particular issue has affected their lives and their families and their communities, to look at three different approaches for how we might engage the issue, discern our common values and our, our common ground, and think about next steps that we might take as a congregation moving forward on this. And then the last step of the process is the, 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 the follow-up sermon, um, what I call the communal prophetic proclamation, where the pastor incorporates the wisdom that came out of this discussion and uses it to say, here's how God's spirit was moving among us to help us listen to each other deeply. We might not have all of the answers. We, we certainly didn't agree on, on outcomes and where we should go, but we have some ideas for where God might be calling us in the future. Yeah, it's really not necessarily a, you're going to steer congregation one way or the other, but it's helping them come to a point where they can actually discuss things in the open, right? So that they can have a dialogue and not become enemies, but understand each other through the discussion. That's exactly right, Todd. What we don't want people to, to be afraid of is that this, this conversation, this dialogue is about shaming or debating or um, browbeating or saying that you're right, I'm wrong. It's not about that. It's, it's a technique to help people learn how to listen deeply to each other and to hear each other's stories about how they've come to value the things that they do so that even if I disagree with somebody, I can see, okay, this is where they're coming from. This is, this is their story. And even though we may disagree on where these values may manifest themselves in terms of public policy, we can at least say, all right, we can agree that there are certain things we share in common and we can build on that. God can do a lot with that. So we'll get into an issue guide that the Great Plains Conference has worked with you on, but I want to get to the topic of issue guides to start with. Uh, this, the middle portion, step two of this, is that deliberative dialogue with, with getting people together in the congregation. Tell us a little bit about one of the tools, the, 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 uh, the, the uh, document, uh, tell us about that tool and how it's used and maybe some of the different types of topics that, that you know are out there that churches have already used this with. That's a great question, Todd. In deliberative dialogue, we use a nonpartisan issue guide. And uh, just to back up and say deliberative dialogue was developed by an organization called the Kettering Foundation. And uh, some people may be familiar with that name. Uh, Charles Kettering was an inventor. He was the one that invented the self-starter in our cars. And uh, so he did a lot of inventions on how to equip 
uh, people and machines to do things. And he was really interested in how democracy can work and how we can make it better. And so all of the money from his patents and everything he put into this foundation to equip people to become better citizens in a democracy. And one of the things that they have uh, that they learned was that this process of deliberative dialogue that I described can be used in any number of situations. It's been done in schools, it's been done in, in government, it's been done in churches, anywhere you can think of where people uh, have to make decisions about things, we've tested this form of, of civil discourse. And we use these uh, nonpartisan issue guides developed by the National Issues Forum Institute, which is an arm of the Kettering Foundation. And in an issue guide, the people who put them together go through a process where they uh, they listen to people who have all different opinions and perspectives and expertise on a topic, and they ask, what, what is at stake in this? What, why do people care about this? What, what makes it so fraught and, and, and also so meaningful? And, and through the process, they, they come up with three different approaches to an issue, and they're not solutions, they're approaches. And the reason it's three and not two is because we're trying to get away from the either or bifurcated kind of thinking. And, and, and an issue guide, um, after you've um, established some ground rules and asked people what's their personal stake, you take equal time with all three options and you ask, what are the benefits and what are the drawbacks of this approach? And it challenges people to, in, to sharpen their critical thinking skills. So for example, I, I might really like a particular option, but I'm also challenged to say, well, what are some, what are some uh, negative outcomes that might come from this? Or I may say, I don't really like this option at all, but I'm challenged to say, well, why might somebody who really thinks this is a good idea, what's important to them? Why might they think that this is a good way to go? And so we're getting into more nuanced thinking and we're being able to empathize with different people who have opinions that will differ from ours. And then the, the, the final part of the process is to discern what, where, is our, where are our shared values, what's our common ground, so that we can say, all right, we can move forward at least on some parts of this so that we're not stuck in this fight or flight kind of situation. And, and this form of civil discourse can help congregations, not just with a particular issue, but it helps their decision-making skills as a, as a body of Christ. It helps to kind of lower the temperature on, um, on conflicted conversations because it, it gives people a tool to be able to do this in a methodical way. And what are some of the topics that the Kettering Foundation has helped formulate as far as those, those documents? What are, what are a few of them, just so people kind of get a feel for the types of topics that are being discussed in churches using this method? The, there are currently, I think, more than 40 different guides, and they're, they're developing them all the time. They develop guides on things like uh, the climate crisis, the, um, um, the opioid crisis, policing, gun violence, um, uh, how to... Um, how to look at hunger issues in a community, um, things like how we can uh, uh, how we can go beyond the divisiveness in a society 
and find common ground? Like what are ways that we could do that? Um, it, it looks at things like um, land use. I mean, like you think of the topic, there's probably an issue guide about it. Now I will say there are, what they don't develop are issue guides that debate people's humanity. So, um, and this gets us a little bit into the issue guide that we've developed for the United Methodist Church. Um, last year, when, when I keynoted the Orders and Fellowship, someone asked, well, is there an issue guide to talk about human sexuality? And I said, no, because that's debating the, the, the identity of a person. And we not, we're not going to do that. We're not going to say, well, we can either accept it or reject it or something in the middle. Like, that's not what this is about. I said, however, it would be really interesting if there was a guide to help us think about how can we talk about um, what is going on in the United Methodist Church around LGBTQIA inclusion. And Bishop Sign says, that's a great idea. Let's do that. <laughs> and that's how this process got started. And that sets into motion uh, about a year's worth of work, because um, this was the end of January last year. It was pretty soon after that that, that the process really began to de develop, develop this. See if I can speak English here. <laughs> um, and then we get to uh, the development of the guide. Uh, and uh, for those of you listening, Bishop Signs just uh, released that guide to the clergy at the 2022 uh, version of Orders and Fellowship. Uh, Leah, if you could please tell us a little bit about what people will see in that guide, because they, some of our congregations will start using this fairly quickly, I would think, to have this kind of discussion. Yeah, and let me just back up a little bit to say how this, what we did in the last year to get at what we what, yeah, what people are going to see. Great idea. Let's do that first so people understand what went into this. Yeah, yeah. So we, we started by putting together a team of people who could work on this guide. And we drew from a cohort of pastors that I had already trained in the sermon dialogue, sermon method. Um, we also identified lay leaders in the conference who came from different political perspectives and could represent those. We also drew on some outside folks, people outside of the denomination, but also had a perspective on LGBTQIA issues that could be helpful and they had no skin in the game in terms of the denomination. And then we also had um, representatives from the Kettering Foundation that work with me in our research exchange around deliberative dialogue in the church. And they, this, this, it was a team of three people that helped with the writing. And then we had somebody who um, was observing and taking notes for our whole group. So all of us actually wrote the guide. Now, what we did first of all with the, the United Methodist group of pastors and lay leaders is we trained them on how to develop an issue guide, because there's a whole process that, that we go through to arrive at this. It's not just sitting down and saying, okay, what do you think and what do you think? No, there's a, it's a very complex process. And this training is, is called naming and framing. Like how do you name an issue and how do you frame it in such a way that will invite dialogue and not be divisive? So, the, so this team went through an online training module uh, led by uh, another colleague at Kettering. 
And then we gathered with the Kettering folks, this was in June, and we talked about how are we going to frame this issue on LGBTQIA inclusion in the church. And what we did was we, we sent out the group to gather concerns from all different types of people about what their concerns are with the United Methodist Church around this issue. We interviewed clergy and laity. We interviewed people from ranging in age from uh, 18 to 80 <laughs> and up. We interviewed males, females, and um, people who are gendered in a different way. We interviewed people of different sexual orientations. We interviewed people who had relatives who are LGBTQIA. We interviewed people of different races and ethnicities, different nationalities, and all across the political spectrum, because we wanted to get as wide a range of perspectives as possible. So this, we did, this wasn't like five or six people. This was like this dozens was, of people that went in to help, it, yes. to help and formulate this. Exactly, exactly. This wasn't just some group that the bishop put together. This was, we reached out to a lot of people. So then once we gathered those concerns, we sat down and we categorized them according to different moral frameworks. And um, we actually used um, uh, some concepts by an author by the name of Jonathan Haidt, H-A-I-D-T, who wrote a book called The Righteous Mind, Why Good People Disagree About Religion and Politics. And he lays out a theory that there, but people don't decide what's right and wrong by using just one moral framework. He says there's actually six of them. One is care versus harm. Another is fairness versus cheating. A third is liberty versus oppression. A fourth is loyalty versus betrayal. A fifth is authority versus subversion. And the last one is sanctity versus degradation. So we took these six moral frameworks and we took the information that we got from the concerns gathering. We said, okay, so if somebody is concerned about this, what category would it fit into? And it was like a big puzzle and we, we sorted it out. It was actually really a fun process. And from that, we had to narrow it down to three options. And those three options were to, first one was, is to ensure freedom of choice and autonomy for individuals and congregations. A second, is to preserve our Methodist identity and what it means to be church together. And the third is prioritizing emotional and spiritual care, like protecting against harm. So you can probably detect those different categories in these three options. And so then we took all of the concerns and the Kettering team wrote a draft of the guide with these three options and giving a list, you know, summarizing what they mean, and giving a list of possible actions and also drawbacks if a congregation wanted to concentrate on one of these three options. I mean, and one of the things I was really impressed with when I saw the guide for the first time was it, it isn't just those three options, though. It walks you through, here's how you do this. 
step by step. So, so in other words, a congregation that wants to use this, whether, it, whether it's one of our larger congregations or like I serve a church of about 30 people on Sunday morning in worship. Any church, any size can do this because it's really laid out for you. Here's how you go about this so that everyone has a voice and you can get past that divisiveness. That's exactly right. And there are different ways that the guide could be used in the conference. So for example, um, two congregations could partner with each other and one pastor could do the moderating for the other church and the other pastor could do the, uh, the moderating for the other church and they each serve as each other's note takers so that the pastors kind of doesn't have to worry about being a, a neutral third party in their own congregation because it's a, it's a, I mean, it is a, it's a hot topic. Um, it can be done within the networks where, um, uh, so the preachers could preach a sermon about it and invite people to this dialogue, but it's facilitated and moderated by one of our trained facilitators. And we're offering trainings through the conference as we speak. Um, and another option is for a, um, a, a clergy person and a lay leader to get trained on how to moderate a deliberative dialogue so that they could do it together. And yes, it can be done with a large church, small church. It can be done in one session. It can be done in two, three, four, and even five sessions. We're actually recommending that people do it through the season of Lent as the, as the Lenten midweek studies as a lot of uh, congregations do. But there are a lot of ways that the guide can be used. And that concept of during Lent, I think is important for churches to maybe consider because the, the idea behind Lent, right, is we're reflecting. We're trying to figure out, okay, all these things have happened, especially in our world the last two years, holy cow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but this particular topic has been something that the United Methodist Church has struggled with literally since it began in 1968. Uh, so here's an opportunity to get people together and have in-depth discussions. Uh, something that's been going on for as longer than I've been alive, I'm here to tell you that you're not going to accomplish it all in one day. <laughs> so so it, may be, it may be better to actually plan for multiple days of having these kinds of discussions. And maybe my suspicion is during that time, people will really have a chance to bond uh, and get to know each other far more deeply and appreciatively than what they may have otherwise done. Well, that's exactly what we've been finding as, as we've been testing just deliberative dialogue in general, not just about this guide. And I'll just share a couple of examples. On a Sunday morning, there's not always a lot of opportunity to go deep on the issues that are affecting people in their lives. And so having this kind of process enables people to engage in a really meaningful way. And we've done this in congregations where you know, people have known each other sometimes since elementary school and they get through and they're like, I never knew that about you or, wow, I didn't know you felt that way. And so you're right. There's just this opportunity to go deeper in our faith and in our building of relationship with each other. Another thing that we found, especially with this particular guide and, and, and just the title of the guide is finding our path in the United Methodist Church. How can we talk and listen? What can we do? So um, we had many people test versions of this guide. Um, it was tested by five different groups in September. Um, this was in congregations and clergy groups, all different um, 
and, and they gave us input on how to improve the guide. So it was, again, it wasn't just this group. We got a lot of input, uh, about 60 to 70 different people had a look at the guide um, before it got to its final version. And it's then been beta tested. it's been beta tested and, uh, uh, and then it's been, it was Delta tested because the district uh, uh, supervisor, su superintendents also tested it in December. And we did some more tweaking even after that. So it's been vetted all along the way by lots of different people from lots of different perspectives. And one of the things that we heard from one of the pastors who tested the guide is that uh, she had done this in her congregation and they had not really done any kind of conversation around this issue before. And she was a little hesitant because she, you know, people were really passionate about this one way or the other, and she wasn't sure how it was going to go. But what happened was people started sharing about family members who've been struggling with this and their own struggle with this. And, and what ended up happening is that people did bond and, and say like, wow, I, I didn't realize that, you know, your daughter has been going through this or that this is something that you experienced. And it created compassion and empathy in ways that their congregation had not experienced before. And so with a, with a, a well-trained moderator um, who can help to guide the conversation in a healthy and productive way, there's an opportunity for some deep sharing and building of relationships and really thinking about what, what is my faith? How, how does God relate to us on all of these different levels? And how can we be church together given our different perspectives? Is there anything about the issue guide or about the sermon dialogue sermon uh, series that you want to share that we haven't gotten into so far today? Yeah, first of all, I want to just clarify what the guide is not. It's not about debating human sexuality or whether a congregation should stay or leave the denomination. That is not what this guide is about. It's not about voting on the three options. It's about creating space to listen to each other, to discern your values as a congregation, and understand what it means to be the church while awaiting whatever the decision is going to be from general conference. So this guide is about what congregations can do. It's not saying, well, this is what the conference should do, or this is what the general conference should do. No, this is about us. It's very specific to your congregation. It's very organic. It's very contextual. This is an opportunity to listen and learn from each other and discuss these options before any decision is made. And the reason why this is, can be helpful, and, and I know it's uncomfortable for some people to talk about this, but here, here's the, the analogy that I would use. You know, when you get your flu vaccine, it's like a defanged version of the virus. And it doesn't feel real good to get that shot, but it teaches your body how to respond when the viruses come at you so that your body doesn't overreact and get inflamed and go into sepsis and like it knows what to do. So a little bit of discomfort at a time when we're not in a crisis situation 
can help us to respond in a more healthy way when the crisis happens. Because once people have tools, once they've been taught, once they've strengthened their relationships, they can say, okay, wait, we, we've been through this. We don't need to panic. We don't need to get all upset. Let's work through this as the people of God. I think that's probably the best way to, to end this discussion. It's a great, uh, a great analogy and a great way to explain it. So Leah, thank you so much again for spending time with us on In Layman's Terms. Todd, I appreciate the invitation and I will be in prayer for the conference and the entire United Methodist Church as you all discern this process together. I hope you've learned a little bit more from my discussion with the Reverend Dr. Leah Shade, and I want to thank her for taking time to come back to In Layman's Terms to explain the issue guide to us all. Great Plains Conference clergy have been sent a link to download the issue guide, and others who wish to see it can send me an email at tseifert at greatplainsumc.org to request a copy. Our prayer is that this issue guide will foster dialogue and contemplation, perhaps as a means of bringing a congregation together for discussion during Lent, for example. Regardless, please be in prayer for the denomination and for each and every local church as they discern their path in the United Methodist Church as we all do our best to live out the call of Jesus Christ in our lives to love God, love others, and make new disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. In Layman's Terms is a podcast sponsored by the Great Plains Conference of the United Methodist Church and by me, your host, Todd Seifert. If you like what you've heard in this episode, please go rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening. It helps others find us. And if you're so inclined, please share the link to this podcast on your social media channels. Our music and sound effects come via subscriptions to Universal Production Music and to Storyblocks. You can find archived episodes on the conference website at www.greatplainsumc.org slash podcasts or on my website, toddseifert.com. Please email me with any questions or comments to tseifert at greatplainsumc.org and I'll do my best to respond as quickly as possible. Thank you for listening. And until next time, please do what you can to help make more disciples of Jesus Christ. You can play a small part in helping change a life.